Smith. I'm Colleen Smith. No, no relation. relation. With us as always is Ian Phone Smith. Coming at you. <laughs> related to me. Not related to me. Hey. Uh, this month's theme is Lost. Yeah, the first we have time. to go back. Oh, yeah. It's a Lost record. Oh. The TV show. The TV show. But that's not Ooh, I should have just told the story the first time I saw Lost. <laughs> oh, that's my new story now. Uh, we have very exciting guests tonight. Yes, we do. Two of them are strangers to me, so I have their names on a, a screen, so I make sure I say them You're so professional. Well, first of all, we have Margie McGee. Our returning, returning. champion. Yeah. <laughs> From one of our very first episodes. Yes, about our, religion, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Erica Bloomfield. <laughs> And Jonathan Tipton Meyer. You, I swear, your name is like, it's like you just, you're on an 80s sitcom. You're like a child actor on an 80s sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. I Jonathan, were you? No. Oh, but damn it. it. That like would have been really great. So let's get to know our, our guests real Tell quick. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Margie. Oh, uh, oh. Wait, your microphone is very far away. Is it very far yes, away? And I'm also like really leaning back. That's okay. You can lean I've back. i bring the microphone of rosé and I have out. Hey. Um, <laughs> Ian Phone Smith, can you hear Margie all right? Am I okay? Excellent. Are my levels. Um, I'm Margie McGee. I'm a TV writer. I am working on L.A. to Vegas on Fox. Watch it, please. And I just had a lift ride here, and I'm very emotional. This young man was telling me his life story, and I'm rooting for him so hard in my soul right now. I, I just, wow. he really moved me. And I told him, I'm like, you're going to make me fucking cry. <laughs> He's a dad of two. He's... He wants to be. Anyways, it's not why you call. We'll come back. We'll come back to it. Yeah. I want to know. My first Uber driver or Lyft driver. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Erica. Um, my name is Erica, as you so beautifully said my name. <laughs> and let's see, I teach creative writing and children's literature, and I do true storytelling around the city, like moth style, and. Uh, I'm allergic to avocado. <gasps> that I sucks. know. I'm like a total like leper in LA. I'm <laughs> a leper in LA. <laughs> allergic your whole life or just recently? No, like my whole life. What happens when you eat it? Well, I get <laughs> I get like super itchy and then like sick to my stomach, mm. but my stomach, but I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. You're, like, right. a ve- you're like a vegan leper. <laughs> <laughs> a vegan leper, yeah. Jonathan. Hi, I'm Jonathan Tipton Myers. I am a uh, an actor and a writer, and I uh, have a project that's based on rideshare. So I am a Uber and Lyft driver. Ooh. So, you know, and is one of the reasons true. is because of. What you guys are talking about, which you'll get into later. Wow, Jason yeah. Smith Jr. from the, Chicago. No relation. Okay. Just, yeah, so with, the, with, with the two Smith? kids. Oh my God. No. I don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is his last name Smith? Yeah. <laughs> Is he related to you? He's not related, He's not related to me. Related to me. <laughs> Ian. No. Nope. All right. Um, okay, so uh, with Lost, I I actually have a, a thousand zany stories of just getting lost. I get lost constantly. Hmm. I'm terrible at direction. Um, I actually remember the first time I was lost. I was about four years old. We were in Maryland. We were in a synagogue celebrating a a Greek festival. (laughs) I got lost. I think I've told this story on the podcast. I got lost. They took me up to the front, which when I think about churches and synagogues like they're just a hallway like a large hallway how could you get lost so I think there were enough people in there they took me up front they got on the mic to 
try to find my parents. They offered me ice cream. I was too upset, and I said no. And the only takeaway I have from that is every time I wanted ice cream as a child, I would be mad that I had turned it down. (laughs) 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 Because I thought if I had that ice cream now, I wouldn't have... If I'd taken it then, I wouldn't be sad now. Um, I've grown out of it in my adult years now that I can buy ice cream. Um, I, you know, I got off a bus once too early insisting to Ian that it was our stop. I don't know how old I was. I was young. Uh, there was another time I took a bus all the way to Van Nuys when I meant to go to Hollywood and I had to call Ian ask him where Van Nuys was. Uh, and he's like, you're going towards the ocean. And I freaked out. And, and I'm not only bad with like, and for a long time in my life, I took buses and walked everywhere. So when you get lost, you get really lost. But I'm not only bad with that, there was one time uh, I insisted to my older sister that something was in some direction, and we got there, and I said, no, I think it's a little further, and she's like, no, I think it's back a different way, and I kept insisting it wasn't, and then we drove, I don't know, another 10 minutes, and I realized I was wrong, we were going the wrong way, I told her we were wrong, we are going the wrong way, and she just kept driving in (laughs) silence, and I apologized, and I told her I was wrong, and she just kept driving, <laughs> driving, until I cried, Aww. and then she turned around. Aww. By the way, we were both adults. Like, <laughs> 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 the old, I mean, Is this Jennifer? No, Heather. Oh, Heather. Uh, but I was, I don't know, I mean, maybe the oldest I was was 19, which would have made Heather 25. Yeah. Uh, but considering how wrong I am with directions I understand her rage <laughs> but anyway I was thinking about this and I was like so it could have been a bunch of zany stories but I decided to make it sad so uh, I thought about the first time I was just really lost and I tried to think about like morally or where you know where you're going in life or how you see the world and I was watching that weird show that's like a parody of um, Scientology and Tom Cruise's marriage and I thought, would I ever be susceptible to something like that? Because every you these people tend to be kind of lost. Something like Scientology? Yeah, where somebody comes in and says something to you about, like, what's your deepest fear, what's your whatever, and I don't feel like I am. Not that I think I'm better than people who get sucked in by cults. I just think a lot of the people... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Offend any cultists. Yeah, I don't want to... We might have some listening. But I do think a lot of people who get sucked in by cults are lost in some way. And there's sure. some foundation, I think that prevents that from happening. So it was like, when was the time where I was just really sort of rocked? And it has to do with my aunt and the time she went insane. So my dad's sister, uh, she, uh, I didn't really know her growing up that well. She came out to visit a couple times. We talked to her on the phone. But when I moved to L.A., she lived in L.A. and or in Alhambra, right? Yeah. And uh, that's when she became a big part of my life. She helped me move into my first apartment, an episode we did. She bought me driver's lessons for my first car, an episode we did. She gave me a cup of uh, change that was like 50 or $70 worth of change to help fund my getting lost on the bus. Uh, (laughs) And she was the person, you know, like Easter and Thanksgiving and all those things where I didn't go home. She would make sure I had a place to go. What was her name? uh, Anne-Marie. And my middle name and my sister's middle names are Anne and Marie, so they're after her. So she was this part of my life, the way aunts are. Like, you get on the phone with her, and she talked forever about nothing, and 
<laughs> okay, but then she'd take us to these great steak dinners at mm. Pacific Dining Car, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, where you'd be there for four hours because you had a wedge salad and yeah. you know, all yeah. this stuff. Everything was business, all a cart. Yeah, yeah, everything was all a cart and it was amazing. And I, she bought me like a, a lavish La Crusette set of pots mm. when I had no furniture in an apartment. <laughs> and I was sleeping on a duvet cover and a bunch of, you know, things I bought at Ross. But I had La Crusette as pots. <laughs> So she was, she was this interesting lady, and um, but as you know, time went by, and I started to have friends and family move out. I you know didn't see her as often, and then one day we got a phone call from my cousin who lives in Irvine, and she's my uh, this is my dad's sister, and she's the child of my dad's brother. And at this point, Aunt Anne is the only one left of four children. My dad's died, my uncle's died, and my aunt has died. So uh, she shows up at my cousin's house. And she has her wig off. And she took diet pills in, like, the 60s that were, I think, predominantly... Your cousin? No, my... Sorry, my aunt. Oh. Uh, that, you know, I don't know what they are. They're basically meth. speed. Or yeah. meth, yeah. 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 And she lost a lot of her hair, so she'd been wearing a wig for a very long time. And she was telling my cousin that there were bugs in her wig and oh, people were no. following her. So my cousin is much more reasonable and responsible, called an ambulance. They took her to the hospital, and they said she had a psychotic break. Now, she had been on antidepressants for a while, after, ever since my aunt died. It was the first of the Smiths to die. And they said she'd gone off of them. So I was like, okay, that's what caused it. And then it also turned out, which is a terrifying thing, she had a urinary tract infection that had been unattended to. And apparently when you get older, a lot of times when older people have psychotic breaks, it's because they have an untreated urinary tract really? infection. Yes. That makes them go insane. What? I don't know why. What age does that? She had a conflict of medications. They gave her some sort of. She did, but she also had. Mom said, and this mom said that a urinary tract infection was part of it. And mom is a nurse. Mom is a nurse. Oh. (laughs) So uh, we find out about all this, and she ends up in a a mental institution. So uh, Ian and Jennifer and I go to see her. And they only let two of you in, so Ian and I go in. And we walk into 100% a One Flew Over the Cuckoo Nest. Yep. Oh, Cuckoo's wow. Nest room. Okay. Yeah. It's that weird yellowy beige. Mm-hmm. There's mesh on the windows. It's just a room of people wandering around. Wow. And none of them are there by choice. Oh. And none of it is therapeutic. Yeah, none of it. It's just a room of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I don't remember how old we were. Mid twenties, so young, and um, not that I would be able to handle it now if I hadn't ever handled it before. So you're walking through the room, and I see her sitting in the corner, and she just looks normal, and it's such a relief. And I walk up to her, and it's like, "Hi, on in," and she says, "Oh, hi, you guys," and I go down to hug her, and I'm so relieved, like, "Oh, she's just in this place, and she had a break, you know, the urinary tract infection. She's got antibiotics. She's gonna be fine." And I go to hug her, and she whispers in my ear the most frantic, intense whisper that they've bugged the lights, and they're spying on her, and they're listening to her. And I just, that's the moment. The moment where you go, I do not know what to do. And when I let her go, and I sat down, and we made pleasantries, and we kept making eye contact, I just thought... She just told me that they're doing terrible things to her, and I'm just ignoring it. 
and I'm not doing anything and I'm not getting her out of here and I'm just talking about nothing. And I just didn't know what to do. And I, I thought, she, she's looking at me like, you've betrayed me. You're mm. leaving me here. Did you not hear me? Are you ignoring me? I just didn't know what to do. And we just thought, we just talked about nothing. And then it's like, oh, well, we'll let Jennifer in and one of us will go outside. And then we just left. And... It was so hard. I, and it was yeah. just so freaked she out. She was also talking about them sexually abusing her and stuff. Too. Oh she God. didn't get to that yet. Oh. What then happened was we they moved her to a nicer place. And I'm positive this is my cousin doing this. has got her into a nicer place. And my mom and my stepmom finally came down. Which is always that thing where you just want your mom to come down and handle everything for you. And she's a nurse. And my stepmom's a nurse. And it's like, everything's going to be fine. They're going to tell us what's going on. So we go into this smaller room in a much nicer hospital, and we find out that the medicine they get, give her makes her sound like she's on helium, which oh. is an odd mm-hmm. thing. It's a very weird side effect. And also the medication's other side effect is it'll make you go crazy if you're... No, it'll make you have palsy-like symptoms that if you stay on it too long will be permanent. That's what it was, is it's a medication to stabilize your... It's an antipsychotic that can give you palsy-like symptoms that then stay. Do you know wow. what it was called? Oh, I don't. I, I mean, you probably could put in palsy yeah, and then yeah. uh, helium voice because <laughs> uh, yeah, because a hundred percent. Wow, yeah. She didn't, totally could. In the hospital, she didn't have it, but when I talked to her afterwards on the phone, she would sometimes sound like she just sucked oh in helium, God. and I don't even know what medication can do that to right. your vocal cords. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the story ends with obviously her getting somewhat stabilized and a bunch of other weird stuff. But the the thing I want to leave us on is the part where you realize you're truly lost, which is I thought my mom and my stepmom were there to make everything better, but nobody can make mental illness go away. And so in the midst of all of this, in the midst of realizing she's going to get out of here and she's talking about, as my mom identified, Da Vinci Code conspiracy things. My mom was like, what she's talking about is in the Da Vinci Code. It's oh, like, oh, great. Well, Ann got her conspiracy theories from a popular book. Um, <laughs> Airport read. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. But then the other thing was, in the midst of all of it, my stepmom's phone rings, and for some reason, her uh, ringtone is chickens clucking. <laughs> and my aunt didn't lose her mind, but she definitely looked around, probably even like a normal person would, like where where fucking chicken sound. But to me, we're in a mental institution. We're in a room. She's talking about being violated by priests and these chickens clucking. And I remember the fury I felt. Just like, get your turn of goddamn phone on silent. Ah, your chickens are going to make her insane. And I don't think I screamed. <laughs> if they listen to this podcast, they may or, not, may or may not remember this. But I just remember thinking like that was the thing that was just going to send her over the edge was a ringtone. Wow. Anyway, so that's, I think, you know, and then actually the other time I was thinking of was when that same aunt uh, died, that, yeah, we had to go down and basically figure out if, you know, pull the plug, all that kind of stuff. And it was very terrifying and frightening. And uh, anyway, I just realized that those are the moments when you realize that no one's going to come save you or yeah. collect you or take control. And you mm-hmm. ha- and that you are officially an adult, which you never feel like. 
And that's my story of being one. Yes. Yay. Wow. Yay. Yeah, I'm not saying that's super hard when you like you shatter the illusion. It's like it's like a don't Santa disappearing. The shatter the illusion of yeah. somebody can fix this, somebody can save me, somebody can find me. And you think too, that's when you realize like doctors are just us with an yep. education. Right. We're not it's not different. They're not they didn't switch over and become something else. Yeah. It's yeah. a strange experience, too, to, like, lose a person, even though her physical being is still there. Like, you're looking at the lady who you know and who gave you La Crusette. Yeah. She's not, she's lost. She's gone. That's, I can't imagine. Yeah. And it's not consistent. It's in and out. Yeah. So yeah. you're constantly hoping. Yeah. I recently had a hospital experience like that, and you have to realize that it's such a brand new situation, and everybody in there is working really hard, but not everybody's very good or knows what they're doing. And so, but the decisions they make have so much more portent than uh, at Subway. Yeah. And, and so, it, it's, but it, it's a very humbling experience. Uh, it's constantly like, like everything's too. okay. Oh my God, we're in trouble. Everything's okay. Uh, we're not going to make it. And yeah. So I get it. Well, it's, it's particularly frightening when you have to like fight for the things that you know people should be getting. Like, shouldn't they have fluids going in no. them, and they haven't had any water in two days? That's what I did, yeah, for about six weeks, and uh, yeah, it's a really interesting experience. Wow. Yeah. That was a great story. Well, I was very moved. Yay. Yeah. No, I was very close with my aunt Audrey. I miss those phone conversations, and it's like mental illness is a, a, a sort of death. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the person yep. who you knew and loved and who loved you is gone. Yeah. But she's better, right? Is she better? No, no, she's she's she gone. was oh, and then, she's gone. Well, did you she, know what? But, she she never really got back. But I no, she, she did. She stopped talking about conspiracy theories. She did. She did. She, she stabilized it. She, she stabilized. was always a little weird anyway, but quirky. Yeah. Weirder but she, than quirky. But she was functional, at least. Yeah. Sort of. She was housebound. No, actually, and... so I, this will actually give a positive spin is, and, and don't make assumptions about people's lives. So mm-hmm. my <clears throat> my uh, my dad's siblings, we've also, because there were four of them and there are four of us, we've, also, we've all been like, is that going to be who we are? And one was the <laughs> alcoholic smoker. <laughs> uh, uh, one was the a- angry rage dad who had us, uh, you know, had a family. Uh, one was, I think, the quieter uh, dad who also had a family, and then um, my uh, my aunt Anne was the like uh, overweight her whole life, like very very like towards I think the last thirty years of her life, like obese, and um, and alone, right? Mm-hmm. So she was the alone one, and Aunt Margaret was the alone one. They were both alone, and we just you make assumptions about people and what their lives are. And, uh, and who, you know, because my sister and I are very much the spinster aunts, and we'll just end up being that. Um, when, we, when she died, we cleaned out her house, and we found stuff that she had had a long-term, like, love affair with this man. Oh. Yeah. And we just made assumptions because it's the same shit we put on ourselves. Like, if you're fat, no one loves you, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh, that she had been... Completely and totally in love with somebody for a, most of her life in a way that I've never experienced. And I just sort of assumed because she called me up every once in a while and bored me with conversations about, you know, whatever and her mild racism and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, she, she is the woman who was famous for saying when it was hot in L.A., like, now I know why people south of the border are so stupid. 
Dios mío. There you go. Ay, Dios mío. Well, she warned me about living in West Hollywood. Oh, because gay people were going to make her gay. <laughs> but then if you yelled at her about it, she would change her mind. Uh, but she, uh, it was interesting to find somebody who was like, you made assumptions about her life based on really shitty things. And she actually really lived a really lovely life full of all the things I didn't think she had. And then, yeah, it wasn't great in the end, but she went out the way she wanted to. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. Erica. All right, so I totally relate on the early part of your story, like always getting people lost. And <laughs> like my friends know where, whichever way I say to go, they should go the opposite direction. <laughs> and like you said with your sister, my sister came to visit me when I was living in Italy. Mm-hmm. And we, we like got into so many fights that like I grabbed the tour book from her and I like, hit her on the head with it like (laughs) yeah so I relate (laughs) uh so um you know I had like two pretty bad bipolar manias so the first one was back in Brooklyn when I was like it started around 26, and it kept just getting higher and higher and higher. Yeah. And then... Oh, my God, what a ride. But, but, like, I really lived. So I, you know, I I got really, really skinny, which <laughs> back then, like, meant everything to me. And I bleached my hair blonde, and I was I was always a, like wild, but I was like like also just like a theater kid, you know. Um, I had like a, I you know I had a little wild streak, but anyway, I like left my boyfriend and moved in with a guy after I'd only known him for three weeks, and I took only with me what I could fit in the trunk of a taxi. Wow! Yeah. Oh my God, I love him (laughs) and yeah so things were kind of and he was in a rock band and uh c ray they're on spotify (laughs) (laughs) um and you know we worked he was in this rock and roll musical and i was a bartender at the theater and he was you know we, we met there and it was just like instant connection but then he's the show closed and he started going on tour all the time with his band and I lost my mind <laughs> and I convinced him that we had to be in a band together I cannot sing <laughs> at all like it's bad can like, you play an instrument n- no not that either <laughs> nope. so you know we had oh, say so a lot it's a bad habit I'm working on it in my storytelling (laughs) I apologize for the soap (laughs) anyway okay um yeah so he did it he did the band I think because he loved me you mean you were in his band he he started a band with me (laughs) I convinced him I was the front woman oh yeah well it was called the rayographs uh, but with an yeah. F instead of a PH. <laughs> yeah. Is his name Ray? No. 
Okay. It was named. I thought I was very like avant garde. Uh-huh. I was naming it after a, one of Man Ray's techniques. Ah. Oh. Photograph. I know. That's wow. I don't know. I so don't like photograph, but rayograph. Yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And um, well, this band was really not that great. I wrote, but it was fun. I wrote a song called Flammable Nymphomania. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Make me burn. Make me yearn. See, I just sang. Shit. It's okay. You can can curse. Just don't sing. Just don't sing. Yeah, right? That was bad, you guys. It is not on Spotify. But I write other songs because I'm writing a TV um, musical. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend meets uh, Orange is in the New Black, but set in a mental hospital, and it's a musical. Which brings me to losing my mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> basically, um, you know, I kept getting more and more, in, like, losing my mind, and I thought everything was a reality television show now. Wow. And our band was competing, and Madonna was <laughs> executive producer's always been like my idol you know I grew up with her first concert Blonde Ambition not Mm -hmm. bad yeah and um, I got you know unraveled and then I decided to use our rent money to pay for professional recording studio time of course yeah because we were gonna get famous Madonna was executive producing Mm -hmm. so right right I mean Maverick sucking it up that's her label I know a lot about her. Uh, <laughs> and then we got evicted. <laughs> oh, my God. You said that was such a great smile on your face. And I was very sad, though, because he, he said, call your sister. So I, call, I I had no choice, and I called my sister because he, he was, you know, throwing me out. And I mean, throwing throwing me out of the apartment that we were being thrown out of. Uh, and my brother-in-law came and picked me up. He drove him from just outside New Jersey, uh, outside New York and New Jersey. He brought me back, and we were around the the kitchen table, ordering Chinese food. And my sister was so preggers; <laughs> she was about to pop, you know. And thinking about what you shared the side of how hard it is on the family and how scary it is for the family. Um, so uh, I told them, it's it's weird. My psychiatrist always says that it's unusual. I always have a thin thread of where I question, but then the, I guess the illness takes over. Um, you know, so I have moments of clarity where I'm like, maybe what I'm thinking is loony toony. Right. You know? Uh, so I told them, well, I think it, we're being filmed, you know? And so I agreed to go to the mental hospital. And so my brother, brother-in-law brother took me the next morning. And all along the way, I kept saying, I can sign myself out, right? I can sign myself out, right? And mm. they say yes. And... Um, I went in, and it was late at night by the time I got admitted. We had to wait for a while. And when they gave me a clonopin, which was great. Yeah. <laughs> I love clonopin. Yeah. I don't take it. I don't take it anymore, but back then. 
But when I woke up in the morning, I was irate. And this was a nice mental hospital. Looking back <laughs> from what I've experienced post that hospital. So I, I'm, I'm freaking out at the nurse's desk. I want to be released. I want to sign myself out. And she says, there's pet therapy. Why don't you go? And I'm like, I mean, pet therapy. That was a good <laughs> hospital. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like. I, I will have nothing of it. No. So, she, and she explains to me that I can sign myself out, but the doctor can uh, deny it. Oh. And then it's my last mm. request. You get one request, and if it's denied, uh, whoa. it was complicated. But basically, she, I hadn't even seen the doctor yet. So I escaped. I totally saw that coming. Yeah. Jonathan seriously just spit his water on me. Thank you. I needed some cooling off. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh boy. Yeah. How did you escape? Well, I'll tell you. Can't leave it there. There was a little. Uh, like cut out part corridor kind of thing with and it was the payphone so it was a little privacy and for some reason it was dark there I don't know maybe a bulb was out but it was darker right I wasn't completely concealed and the nurse and I was you know and then looking around they can't see that yeah. I made a face you guys uh, and the nurse was you know, Nurse Ratchet, right? Mm -hmm. Even though it was a nice hospital, she was still a bitch. <laughs> uh, I see you lurking there. I see you lurking there. Get away, get away. And then the medicine cart came in and I ran, made a mad dash for the door. I knocked the medicine cart over. <laughs> I ran oh out. I was so lucky the elevator doors open. I was like, yeah, this is meant to be. Thanks for hooking it up, reality TV. You know? <laughs> and I take the elevator down and I think, oh, I better hide out in the boiler room or something. Because there was God. a B for, and I was like, Base, basement. basement. <laughs> it turned out to be also like a boiler room, and I'm, I'm and then I get freaked out because it feels like Freddy Krueger, and then I right isn't that yeah yeah, 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 street, yeah, right? yeah scary. And then I, I go back up to and and I heard them say you know code whatever basically <laughs> you know nutcase on the loose. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah and. Then I, I blended in with this man on a wheelchair with a broken leg and family around him and all these happy face balloons. <laughs> and you were wearing regular clothes? or you... They let you have your regular clothes. Okay. So I okay. had jeans and a sweater. Oh, but I did not have shoes. Oh, that's a good detail. Thank it is a good asking. detail. So I got out and then... Um, I had to find my way back to my sister's house. and What's this in New York? This was right outside New York in New Jersey. And I got there, and her mother-in-law, bless her heart, nicest woman in the world. Oh, Erica, we're so, I'm so happy. I'm so happy to see you, you know? And she said, I'm going to hide you downstairs. The police are coming. <laughs> and she's drawing all the curtains. She said, I'm not letting anyone take you back there. Wow. Aww. Anyway. <laughs> it was wild. Did they, Did they, they get, get you back? 
Oh my goodness, do we have all night? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the abridged version. Well, after that, my sister, you know, couldn't, she was about to have a baby and she just couldn't have me with her, you know? My nephew had also just been diagnosed with autism. It was, I know. Oh. It was, and then her sister, you know. And my sister and I have always loved each other. It's a little bit of a rocky relationship. Mm. Anyway, I love her, though. So (laughs) I got sent back with my parents, who um, are complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Volatile. They try really hard, and, you know, I think they try as hard as they can. Mm -hmm. And that's what we can do as people, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, so... It did not go well. <laughs> yeah. and, and then my aunt and uncle took me in, but my parents were angry about it, and then it was causing friction between them. And then my cousin, Nina. <laughs> oh, my God, she's so rad. She smokes weed. And she takes clonopin. <laughs> and she hooked it up. and But she was making sure that, that I was getting, you know, that I was going to get well. So, but then I ended up uh, living in a motel for a month on my parents' dime without them knowing because they kicked me out. <laughs> and they put me up for three nights, but I managed to finagle it. And I don't know what that means. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, awesome. I know Yiddish is the best. Yeah. And then I got to, uh, Nina bought me a one way ticket to LA and I packed, we went to the Goodwill. And I got a vintage blue suitcase from the 1950s with a busted lock. I just picked my favorite hat. I carried my hats around with me. I had nothing, (laughs) but I loved my hat collection. Picked my favorite hat, and I got to the airport. It was pouring rain, and the plane was so delayed, I got wasted. Like, I drank (laughs) so much whiskey, and I weighed, I was a twig, you know? And then they started calling boarding, finally. And then I panicked. That thread of sanity came back. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm flying across the country. You're sick, Erica. You're sick. And I went up to the ticket agent. And I handed him my ticket. And I said, can I change my ticket till tomorrow? And he looked at it. And he handed it back to me. And he said, it's now or never. <gasps> wow. Yeah. I love this movie. I know. Crazy. There are so many questions I want to ask. But I feel like it, it will be the entire wow. podcast. Yeah. I know. But you did get on the plane. Hell to the no. I no, like no. talk. Oh, I did good on the plane. Did you get on? Did you get on the plane? Oh, I got on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. But, did you but I was bad on the plane. That's why I heard. Were you good on the plane? I had a few plane incidents when I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few. How long did it take? This is fantastic. Everyone's allowed one question. Mine is, okay. how long did it take from then uh, till you were like even? You felt like you got, you figured something out and you could, your medication was right. I had to live in um, like government care, like halfway houses, mm. oh, hard. for yeah. almost three years, and then 
after, just like the aftermath. Right. Yeah. I lost so much. But then I got back up on my feet again, and then I had, um, you know, but it, it wasn't good. The depression was so heavy, even after they, the mania was always con- got controlled, uh-huh. which is important because I'm actually uh, in more danger when I'm manic, probably. Right. And for myself. Right. Yeah, yeah of course. And um, but it ma- the mania masks the depression, and the depression is deep. And the, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so then I I made it bad shit started happening. My dot my insurance switched. I started seeing a new psychiatrist. He prescribed Adderall. It made me totally oh bad God. shit crazy. Oh, no. oh yeah. So then that was a whole relapse. But then now for the past five years, I've been doing super duper great. Um, you know, it took a while. It takes a while for medications, and there are yes. so many mm-hmm. side effects. So, yes. Yeah. 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 Wow. You're a warrior. That's great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. That was amazing. Jonathan. Hi. Jonathan Tipton Myers. Hi. I'm still rocked from that story. Yeah. <laughs> and But the combo of both of those stories makes sense because um, I love the theme of this of uh, being lost, and you're feeling about being literally lost because what I'm writing about predominantly now is how all of us are lost here and, and how transportation can affect that. But one of the uh, things I'd always wanted to know was how, why I felt the way I did about being here, why I never felt at home. Here and, in Los Angeles? Yeah. Uh-huh. Because I've been here about 20 years. And the truth is that um, it, one of those big reasons is because we're all lost. Like we're all literally lost. Like we're all basically one left hand turned away from being completely lost. And how profound that is, because it's so big, it's 500 square miles. Right. And when I came out here, there was, um, you know, there's no GPS, we just had Thomas Guides. Yep. <laughs> which everybody, you know Thomas Guides, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. a giant map. And I have no idea how to read one. No, I just <laughs> looked at one the other day and it was absolutely nuts. It's like it was so tiny, it's like, how'd you read it? The truth was we really didn't. We just stayed, we knew 363 was West Hollywood. <laughs> you basically stayed on that page and you stayed in that area. And I think that not knowing where we are, being physically lost leads to that feeling after a couple of years when it's like two in the morning, talking to your friend, you're like, I don't know, man, I just feel so lost. And it's <laughs> because you are. Uh-huh. And we don't spend a lot of time with our feet on the ground. So I thought that theme was really exciting and I totally got that. And it leads to, I think, a separation that can support any other insecurities that are going on. Um, but for me, I've been on a journey to embrace being lost. Really? So it was one of the reasons I came out here. So in my personality, if there's something I'm terrified of, mm. I will jump in and do it. So I didn't know how to swim when I came out here, so I signed up for the L.A. Triathlon. <laughs> uh, really good incentive, mile in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Totally learn to swim. swim. And it was the same when I first decided to come out here. I didn't know how to drive. So I just, in Manhattan, I just basically um, took the test in every borough and kept failing. <laughs> until I passed and I bought this car and I basically headed on the road with about two or three days of driving experience. And, my oh. license, right? and the point was I was going to drive cross country to figure out how to do it. So all I had <laughs> when I started was a 1988 Acura Integra, <clears throat> uh, broken defroster, <laughs> and a duffel bag full of clothes and um, a PowerBook 140 with I think like four bit grayscale. 
like before there were even visuals. Oh my god! And uh, an Iran McNally fold-out map that only folded out twice. It was like this big, and all it had on it were the miles between each state and the, <laughs> and the hours it would take to get to each place. And so my plan was that I was going to just drive. I love that you like, have a plan. Yeah, that. Was the plan was I was going to drive for about 10 hours to get from one place to the next, Motel 6, right? And then I was going to pull off and go to sleep, wake up, um, Waffle House, and then rinse and repeat <laughs> uh-huh. until I got to Los Angeles. And oh, and, um, and I had a, a list of people that I had met in an AOL chat room. Oh, right? oh that's fantastic. <laughs> It was, a, it was a writer's chat. That's great. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I was going to hook up with them uh, all the way across country. So I was like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. Let's just go. That's fantastic. And um, I was working out pretty well. Like, first two days, I made it, uh, you know, down the coast. And I'd only driven off the road, like, once or twice in the <laughs> snow. And like, the third day, I was booking it to get to this Motel 6 in, like, Fredericksburg. Virginia, okay. um, because I was trying to get to this uh, place furiously so I could meet the first person on the list whose name was Shelly. So I was driving for like nine, ten hours, and I finally get to this Motel 6, and I'm completely exhausted, and I open up my power book and I talk to Shelly, and we plan to meet in like two hours. Don't bang on the table. Yeah. And, um, uh, but I was a wreck. So I remembered that in my bag I had a package of Nodos. Oh no. oh, no. So, is everybody? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. sure. So, I yeah. didn't know. They, you know like, it, they're these little white... No, I know what they okay. are. Okay, <laughs> they're, like, yeah, they're cocaine pills, basically. And um, uh, apparently, like, each one is the equivalent of, like, four cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. Right? But I didn't know. I never They're what them. Jesse Spano got cracked out on yeah. in that uh, very special episode of uh, Saved by the Saved Bell. Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I yeah. had no so, idea. Yeah. Oh, my... <laughs> Well, no, okay, now I've got to go watch that. But I, no, I, so I just put them both in my mouth. I just throw them in. And, and I was like, I just want to close my eyes for a second and rest. Wait, you well, took no-dos and went to doze? Then tried to doze? No, I was just going to sit because I had a little bit of time. Oh, okay. So I, but I was exhausted. So I thought, that's not going to kick in. And I'll just, you know, I get a little bit of rest before we come. And I just laid my head back for two seconds. And I'm out like a light. And then I, I, I'm shocked awake again by this honking of the horn. And I look out the window downstairs and it's Shelly. And so I grab my coat, and I'm groggy, and I run downstairs, and she's sitting in the car, and she's waving at me like, hi. And, and this guy's sitting next to her, and he's like, hi. And his name is Dan, and he's her brother. Okay. Right? And I, was, I thought, okay, well, that makes sense. Like, we don't know each other. And Bring back up. Be in the car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure, that makes sense, cool. So I get into the car, and I close the door, and uh, we start driving off. And um, it's like 10.30 at night, and I'm on the highway, and the signs are kind of like passing me, and I don't know any of them, and and I, I you know I realize that I, I really don't know where I are, and and that I um I don't know who these people, are. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't even know Shelly's last name, you know and she's really nice. They're all like got cowboy hats and they're smiling and happy, and and and, <laughs> and it became really clear to me that um they were going to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are you from New York? Um, and so I'm a woman. It's uh, always okay. <laughs> so we're driving, and it's like um, right as I realize that she pulls off the highway onto this long gravel road, 
Thank you. Gravel road, which is the gravel road, which is the road you drive down when they kill you. Yeah. Kill you. Thank you. And and so I was like, what the hell's gonna happen? And before I could think, we pull up to this giant biker bar that's called Cowboy Jacks, and and there's a bunch of bikes outside and it's super dark, and um, they're like, we're here, and I was like, okay. So uh, they get out of the car, and I get out of the car, and I walk around on the gravel, and as soon as my uh, feet hit the ground, I stand up, the no-do starts kicking in. And so now I'm like peeking. It's basically like, whoa, 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 And I'm trying to walk straight, and they, they bust open the door, and it's packed with people. And there are all these people, and they're laughing and smiling and giggling, and, um, and they recognize Shelly and Dan, and they're smiling at Shelly and Dan, and they're like, hey. And, and then they look at me, and they're like, hey, hey, they're smiling at me. And I'm thinking, of course, they're smiling at me, because they're thinking, like, ooh, Shelly and Dan got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's going to taste really good, like, when they kill me and eat me. And, um, and it's not funny. And so they're sitting, they sit me down at this table and they put a big beer in front of me, like a really big one. And I start drinking and, um, and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay. And I'm scanning the room, like, okay, there's a bathroom over there. And then there's like a door behind it down this hallway. And I'll just, I'll just say, I've got to go to the bathroom. I finish this beer and I'll go outside and then I'll be, um, Where? Where am I going to be? I'm, I'm absolutely like nowhere. I'm in the dark. I have no idea where I am. I've got no of this before phones and, and really almost before computers. And, and there's nowhere to go. I'm completely lost. And I'm going to die. And right at, uh, at that moment, the room gets really quiet. And I think, oh, shit, did I say that out loud? <laughs> and and um, this big, big-ass guy, this big tall guy in a leather vest and a hat, he comes up to the microphone in front, and I'm sitting right in front, and he grabs his mic and he looks at me and he comes right at me with these big eyes and, and he says, 525,600 minutes. 525,000 moments so dear. And I look around, I'm like, are those leg warmers? Like, is that sheet music? It's like, 525,600 minutes. How can you measure, measure a year? And, and I was like, wait, 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 is it musical theater night at Cowboy <laughs> And I start laughing, and I'm sitting there, and like the room gets a lot clearer. And, um, and I see these two guys kissing in the back. And there's like three people who are doing some routine, at, like from Chicago. And it's I think I'm gonna be okay. You went to a gay leather bar and didn't know you were there. <laughs> it was like gay night at this gay leather bar. musical theater bar. Oh my! But seriously though, it was like it was hardcore, and I've, I've never been. I'm you know, from Manhattan, man, and <laughs> and it was serious. They were all they were bikers and other people, but I was vibrating like crazy. And, and, wow. and it was very clear that at that moment, you know, without self and stuff, I mean, situations where okay. I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And I'd only been driving for two days, too, so I don't even know. <laughs> you know? Wow. But I, was, but I was very, I mean, at that point, like, they start smiling at me, and I'm like, hi. And then the rest of the night was oh, fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, I never clapped so loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. 
I love that you chose to drove and drove drive in weather. Well, it was January. I mean, I had to get out here. I had like basically two weeks to get out here. It was January first, and I didn't know that my defroster was broken until I got on the road with those semi trucks, and so I got the windows down. Oh and my so god! You're driving in, and like you're driving like oh eighty, my god, and it's so in the cold. middle of the night, and the water's coming in, but it's good because yes. it's keeping you awake, and you're just like, mm, how am I gonna get? You know? Oh. So. Yeah, there wow, was, there's a bridge. I forget where it is. Um, I think it's in Virginia, but there's a bridge that goes. Maybe it goes over Chesapeake Bay, and it's only one lane in each direction, yeah. oh. and it takes a half an hour. Ooh. And actually, it's so disconcerting to the people who are there that. Um, and I did it at night. But people even during, who live there, or the people, people who people who commute. There's actually guys who um, will take you back and forth because it's so upsetting. Because it's just endless. One because lane. it's one. It's you're literally. It's not much larger than this, it's and you're going the all table. across the water, even in daylight. But mm. to do that for half an hour. Wow. It's. I saw this thing about it, and I was like, oh, so it's not me, because <laughs> I was just brand new, and I hit it at night. I didn't know. Like, wow. Okay, here's this bridge, and it's just like it's like that scene in Woody Allen when he gets in the car with Christopher Walken and Annie Hall. Oh yeah. Who had the dream about like, oh, it's just dream that I just run, see the headlights, and I just drive right into Ooh, it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, Donnie will give you a ride home. You know, <laughs> they're just sitting Ooh. in the car, and it's just, so, yeah. Do you remain in touch with Shelly and Dan? No. Aww. It would be awesome if I did. I had great <laughs> trips with people in New Orleans and all these wonderful folks, because at that time, it was just this amazing thing that you could connect yes. yeah. with somebody. Um, you know, I mean, it's turned into this whole thing now where as soon as, um, the internet came and MySpace came out. Everybody, all of a sudden, everybody who was thirty became fourteen years old mm. again. Yeah. And all the people, all the unrequited loves that you know you couldn't find people, all of a sudden you could find them, and right. everybody's meeting in Cleveland at like a Best Western to their life. That's amazing. Maggie, Maggie. <laughs> um, my story deals with some old technology as well. This is I. Did things that could not be accomplished today without uh, major consequences. So um, <laughs> this was me sort of um, losing myself in a person and then sort of losing my mind as a result. Um, <laughs> I dated someone for four years. We took a year off. Then we dated again for two years. And it was very serious, but it was long distance. We started fighting. We thought it, I thought it was because of the distance. He called me crying one day saying, we have to do something about this. I want to marry you and I want you to move to Houston with me. And I was like, that's a huge deal. I love Los Angeles. My family's here. I'm not sure if I can do this. Let me think about it. And then I thought about it. And my mom always says, treat life like an adventure. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go. I love you. Let's have children. Let's try Houston. See how it goes. So, uh, I called him and I was so excited and uh, I, it was greeted with like strange silence <laughs> and I was like, um, okay. Um, and he was coming out like the following weekend for Easter weekend or something. So I didn't think anything of it. I just thought maybe it was a bad connection. I don't know. Um, and then he shows up for Easter weekend. We have a two hour couples therapy session just to talk about like what it's going to be like for Margie to transition to this new city, blah, blah, blah. At the time. the therapist. Uh, the two of us were oh, just the two a, with a therapist. With yeah, a therapist, okay, yeah. yes, yes. I wasn't yes. sure if you were being like, in, like it was just an intense conversation. No, no, no. Just, sorry, yeah. we yeah. sat down with uh, with my therapist yes. who we'd seen before, and um, <laughs> uh, at the time I was running a cupcake business out of my house, and I was kind of excited to be like a normal lady and like get a brick and mortar storefront in Houston, Texas, a city I hate. 
Um, but then after the therapy session, I thought we'd figured some stuff out. And then uh, he says to me, take me to the airport. And I was like, what, what, what? And this was before Easter Sunday where my mom had a whole brunch plan. This is the whole weekend we were to have. And he said he just needed to think about things. So I'm exploding in tears going like, what is happening? We just decided I'm moving to Houston. I quit my job. I gave notice at my apartment. What's Whoa. going on? Oh, man. Uh, but I didn't know better. So I just took him to the airport. Mm-hmm. We dropped by my house so he could pick up his bag. I took him to the airport. I drive home just shook. And my computer's open and I hit the thing to unsnooze the screen. And there's his email. And I was like... Okay, well, uh, oh, his account his account was up. He checked huh? his hotmail oh, on my oh, computer. Oh. So you know where this is headed. I look through. He's been dating someone for months. They're madly in love. He can't wait to get engaged to her. This He thought asking me to marry him because I love my life in Los Angeles. He never thought I would say yes. What so I like I weirdly called his bluff, and he uh, just handled it horribly, if you ask me. So I... I, you know, do my thing. I cry for three days. And then I send off this email saying, um, I know more than you think I do. Like, it's okay if you found a better match. What's not okay is being dishonest. Like, I'm so sorry that I have to leave with no respect for you and knowing you're a coward. And I was like, yeah. And I wanted that to be the freeze frame and the end of the story. Like <laughs> <laughs> a fist in the air. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, one of those parts yeah. and endings. But... Tossing um, her hat like Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. yeah. I really thought I did a beautiful job of articulating myself. And I said all I need to say, he's a liar. I'm not. We weren't meant to be. Fine. Then uh, the heartbreak. Although it, he, it's unearned. He doesn't deserve this much energy from right. me. But my emotional life won't pay attention to that rationale. So I don't sleep. I can't sleep. And... I develop what I call my rash suit when I get very stressed. <laughs> I get a rash that some miraculously, thank God, wow. stops at my neckline but covers okay. all of my body all the way down to my wrist wow. and my ankles. Wow. I'm just like a, just, I just am pink and itchy from, and it's, wow. as my mom says, it's an angry rash. It, just <laughs> it is a monster. Uh, so I'm like stress rashed out. I haven't slept. And then... Uh, of course, I'm checking their emails constantly, and then at some point they you still he, have access to his email. Well, oh, I did, no. but then the then something happened with the computer, and it's gone, and I can't see his emails anymore, and I don't know what's going on. I don't have any more information. I panic. Uh, I mentioned I'm running a cupcake business out of my house. I am <laughs> yes. not rich. However, I draw out a seven hundred dollars in cash, and I take it too. Mm. Western Union, where I uh, send it, wire it to China under an assumed name. What? That's correct. Ruth Rotter, uh, my assumed name, <laughs> wired money to China to get passwords for both my boyfriend's account and his, uh, the mistress's oh, account. This is fantastic. Oh so uh, I, I am, you know, if, if they don't get the money, this, this uh, entity I hired to do this tells the people that you oh, inquire shit. about it. So it you got to do it. You? Oh, yeah. So if you inquire oh, about doing it and money. say you want it, they say we need the money by this time or we're telling these two people that you asked for this. So oh, I was like, here's all my money. <laughs> Yay. So wow. now how did you know about 
those. Oh, yeah. Again, I lost my mind, and there's yeah, Google. Sure. So I was like, <laughs> how am I going to go to emails? What if you want to access and you don't anymore? Who your boyfriend? You don't I lost my mind, and there's Google. <laughs> yeah. Chapter yeah. one. Yes. Um, so... I then have both of their passwords, so I start going through their accounts. Oh, my God. I see and hear all about their engagement. They start wedding planning. I start thinking um, about calling the venues and canceling the plan. It's a destination (laughs) wedding. It's a destination wedding. Fuck those guys. I'm going to cancel all their hotel blocks. I'm going to call the day before and say, like, you know what? Not feeling it. We're going to cancel. Go ahead and charge us everything, but make sure you shut down the event. Whatever. Um, <laughs> something in me. This is so diabolical. It really, I, I lost it. my yeah. mind. I love this. He'd also story. left. <laughs> he'd I'm also, going to be so honest oh, with yeah. everybody. He had, he had left his Easter suit at the dry cleaner. Oh, what an ass. Right? Yeah. So I went to pick it up because I wanted to cut <laughs> it up into a million pieces and send it to him one piece every day <laughs> for the rest of his fucking life so he never forgot what he did because he never returned my calls or emails. I never heard from him again except a box of my shit arrived on my doorstep on my birthday. Thanks. Uh, just like my running shoes and some toiletries thrown in a box and wow. that was the end of me to him. What a piece of shit he is. Thanks. Yeah. Which is why I, uh, right before this birthday box arrived, I just was heartbroken. So I emailed him and say, do you want to meet in New York for one last time? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. So at this point I've sent money to China. I've hacked their emails. I know he's getting married and I'm just <laughs> crazy. So I'm like, let's meet in New York for a weekend and um, I do get a response to that, which is, let me think about it. <laughs> and I was I'm like, you're so horrible. I don't, I didn't say anything, but I knew he was getting married and I'm like, this is worse. Everything's terrible. I made a list of other things that I did. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So when I decided that I wasn't going to cancel all their wedding plans and venues, I had all their confirmation numbers. This, I really could have done a number, um, but I didn't. But what I decided to do is this boyfriend, um, presented himself to me as this very pure, um, you know, Christian man. He didn't believe in porn and all of this stuff. It was just a very clean, pure life he led. Well, now I have access to his email. This motherfucker is subscribed to some shit. There is porn (laughs) coming in. And this was before there were, like, porn sites on the Internet. So he was subscribing and getting, like, videos like like a normal guy would. Like, it's not even whatever. I'm screaming. Um, (laughs) But I decide that this... What kind of porn? I mean... Here we go. It wasn't even that interesting to me, the sex of it all. I I was fixated on... He's such a liar. Right. He's yeah. such a liar. And I was like, this woman in my altruistic crazy moment, this woman should know who she's marrying. Oh, oh no. Mm-hmm. I forward every piece of porn in his email. So she is flooded with thousands of pornographic emails from his account um, and that indicate that he's a subscriber. And then I check their emails the next day. I can't wait. I'm like, you know, I sleep for 20 minutes and I'm up again going, ding, 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 ding. Did she find it? And then I see their email exchange. She's like, what is this? And he's like, I must have gotten hacked. Uh, and that was it. And oh. I was like, uh, 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 that's not enough. That's not enough. So uh, I, they get married. I see all their wedding pictures. I am living a reality TV oh, show oh on the computer oh all the time, daily, hourly, checking what they're doing. Um, in the wedding, so we've been together for six years total. And in the wedding, 
he did what we had talked about. Like it was, and my my best friend at the time watched it with me. And no, just my one friend, because okay. I didn't want to tell anyone else, because I think I've committed a felony. Like, bottom line, <laughs> I, I think I've done something very terrible. Okay. But I wanted her to see it, because I wanted her, I wanted to see if I was actually crazy or if he did it. But he did these gestures and these words and things that were like ours. And I was, it was horrifying. Um, and then... Uh, once they got married, she changed her last name and her email address, and then I didn't have the password to that one. And uh, he moved to Gmail, so then I no longer had his password. And I didn't have enough cupcake orders to send $700 <laughs> more dollars overseas. So, you know, something interrupted my psychosis, thank God. But at that point... I, like I said, I'd lost myself. So I wasn't paying attention to me at all. I was living there through their reality show, which happened very quickly in my defense. They got engaged and married within like 20 minutes of, not joking, <laughs> within, you know, five months of wow. him asking me to marry him, which was a lie. Anyways, um, <laughs> so I don't have access to their account. I legitimately go through withdrawal where I like don't know what to do with myself anymore. This is... <laughs> This project has become such a righteous movement on my part of like, I'm right, he's a liar, he did porn, and look at what a jerk, he did what we said we were going to do at our wedding. And then that's over, and like, so I was right. So what? He still married her, I'm still here, and like, I have a reckoning right now, because I was with someone for six years and I let myself be, and I loved being defined by being a girlfriend on a pathway to being a wife and mother and all that. Um, and I was just left completely, uh, what's the word? Just shattered. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that. Um, and the only thing I know how to do, so I'm very flawed in my relationships, but I'm honest. You can count on that. Very, very what in your flawed. flawed. Like I'm crazy. Yeah. Obviously, I, I thought you said fly. Oh, and I'm. I mean, obviously, Super I start, I'm yeah, pretty fly exactly in my relationships true. and honest. Um, <laughs> I'm flawed, and I like, but I I am open to changing, and I mm-hmm. am honest, and I the the fury that I feel about dishonesty, especially in an interpersonal relationship, is something that plagues me. I I haven't gotten out from under that yet. But the only thing I knew how to do was to like write about it and share it. I did not share this part. What you guys are hearing is the dirty little secrets that I never told because they're criminal. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Audience, don't rat her out. Please don't. Call Marty, any nobody was listening. Ruth Rotter is my name. Ruth Rotter at Western <laughs> Union. Um, a great name. And again, this was a time when I could say, like, I did, forgot my ID. And they're like, okay, Ruth Rotter, here, right. we'll send this to this hacker's firm. Um, so all I knew to do once this had all gone down is to write about it. And I told, you know, about the rash suit and about, you know, terrible choices I made behaviorally just acting out with men and food and like all the things you do when you're at a loss. Um, and that piece of writing launched me into a career path that I didn't even know I wanted. I might cry. Mm. Um, So now I'm a TV comedy writer. And I thought I was going to be baking cupcakes in Houston. And that would have been a disaster. And somehow this thing that I thought was going to kill me, the heartbreak, I cannot 
everyone's had it. If you've been on the planet this long, of you course. know how deep it is. Mm-hmm. It feels like it will kill you yeah. physically. It keeps you up. Like it is so intense. And I didn't believe that I would live through it. So I figured I'd write about it. And, you know, you could read it at my gravesite once I'm obviously dead from heartbreak. But it opened up that honesty, opened up this pathway into this career that, like, I am so in love with and so grateful for and feel very found in. And but I'm not done being me because I do have these moments of spite where, like, uh, I'm like, I hope he's watching this show and I hope he sees my name. <laughs> he was out here to do this and he's not doing it. I am. He's in Houston. So I'm not like completely evolved past being a dickhead, but I really you earned it. Yeah. Well, with this, know. you earned it. But I, it got me, it got me something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, again, mm-hmm. would, would you say you were found because you got a hundred percent? It's true. Like in Houston, you can't tell fart and dick jokes without getting a side eye. <laughs> I work in an environment where that's my job. It's <laughs> more fart and dick jokes, Miss McGee, please. And I Can like you talk about small dicks. Oh, I heard that's penis shaming now. Yeah. That's a, Thing. They'd say it's a you know low percentage choice. That joke might not <laughs> really? get a lot of response. Yeah! Wow! Oh, you gotta mm. burn that box. I'll burn the box. I don't know. No, yeah. I don't know. Let do it you, go. Do you find that you now are when you get these thoughts though? You, do you kind of start indulging them because there's good material there? Yeah. You like to find you really want find before you'd be like, no, nah, that's just wrong. You're like, yeah, of course that's wrong, but wow, that's really funny. Now you could write if it. If it just keep yeah. going, yeah. I as long as I'm not injuring myself or others like I don't think again if I were to do this today it would show up on his email like someone in California checked your account like last activity was right, 20 right, minutes right. ago from your psycho ex is that cool <laughs> uh, but I I do feel like I mean through it all I was honest I never yeah. denied that I was going crazy I never you oh, know okay. I I told only select people that I had sent money to an overseas hacking firm um, <laughs> but it, nothing was a secret and to that like I feel like there's all the power in that so if I ever cross paths with this guy again I don't think about him at all anymore. I just did the brush you the dirt. Brush the dirt. Yeah. Okay, okay, I do not think about him all, except you know, in instances when I can use this story to demonstrate a point. Well, Nora Ephron has an entire documentary about her that's called uh, "Everything Is Copy." Yeah, where it was like, I mean, she says everything, yeah. everything about her life. There are so many authors and writers. Yeah. And, so. And yeah. that's actually what we end up wanting to see. I mean, when I mean, you yeah. say that. Heartburn, probably my favorite movie. Of yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, I regard. do. My best friend from kindergarten, every time I come crying to her with another, like, this is one of many wild stories. They happen, like, monthly. <laughs> and I'm like, why does this keep happening to me? And she just goes, job security. There's <laughs> there you go. All right. I'll it. take it. I wow. couldn't agree more. Mary Jo! I, I am so torn about which story I want to tell. The whole night, I've been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth about which story I want to tell. What are the two tell. stories? Yeah. That I'm either going to tell the story of the of truly the first time I was lost, or, well, they, they're, they're both, for, yeah, they're both first times lost, but, um, uh, Can you find you, a way to tell uh, physically and emotionally back and forth in some sort of intercutty 
Grant win? No, I can't. That's a fascinating <laughs> idea, but I, I can't do that. We have not had Neither any. one of them are uncomfortable. Okay. We've, they're, never they're, had, they're, they're, we've never had a personally lost, like physically lost. If you want yeah, to they're that. both of them are that. Okay, then just tell it. Okay. Um, I'll tell the story the first time I got lost. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you all for bringing me to that conclusion, <laughs> that decision. Um, so... If you've listened to this podcast, you know I grew up very um, unortho- in an unorthodox way, and I um, lived often in um, communities with multiple families that all lived together. And there was also there was so which meant there were a lot of kids around all the time. Um, so, uh, and my mom, who um, uh, my mom always wanted twelve kids, but um, we she's I'm the oldest of five, so she stopped after five because my father left. So there was. No more sperm. Um, <laughs> but um, she always wanted a lot of kids, and she always had a lot of kids, and she's really good with kids. I think that my mom is a kid whisperer, and I think it's her comfort, her happy place, and um, to be with kids. And um, I also think it's her way of avoiding connecting with adults, but whatever. Um, <laughs> she listens to the podcast. Uh, and uh, she, and at the time that this story happened, I think, now here's the interesting thing about the story. Because the story happened to me, uh, I wasn't there for a good portion of the story. So this morning I called my mom and I asked some questions about her experience in this story because that's really more where where the story happens than with my part of the story. So um, we were pretty poor. Uh, this was probably, I mean, poor is a, a big word, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and... and uh, we were living a whole bunch of people under one roof and... Uh, we lived out on this piece of property in Northern California that we called the farm, um, but really was um, just a place to grow marijuana. And um, there were a whole bunch of us living in this house, and there was a bus, and there was a van, and there was, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's not important. And uh, the town is well, it's a very small town. It's in Northern California. It's in Mendocino County, and it's beautiful, green, lush. Northern California gets lots of rain. Um, area of the of the state. It's very redwoods adjacent. It's very close to Fort Bragg, which is right on the coast, where you can take this hundred year old train called the Skunk Train. It's just a beautiful place. It's it's um, packed with like these beautiful manzanita trees. Which every time I see a manzanita tree, which isn't often because they're sort of they're not here. They're not down here. They're up north. Um, but I'm taken right back to my childhood. Um, and I should say I should sort of preface this as and I don't. I don't know why this is connected to this story, but this morning, ever since I started thinking this is the story I would tell, I, I was reminded of something that as a kid, because we lived in a bus for two years and traveled around the country. So we didn't really have a home home. We just, we, we had a mobile home. And um, I had this weird recurring thing as a kid that wasn't really based on anything that I'm aware of. But we would drive a lot during the day at night, and, and um, I was always in the window and fascinated with where are we and what would we see out the window and everything. But there's a point in the day for me that, I, that fills me with the sense of, the, of, of, of fear that I'm going to get lost. And I still have it today, and it's, it's a dusk part of the, it's like the sun is down, it's not dark yet. But you light is leaving. You can f- almost physically feel light slipping away mm-hmm. from the day, and you kind of know that if you need to be someplace before the light is gone, that you have a very short amount of time 
to get to that, whatever that destination is. And as a kid, I would sit in the bus and I would look out the window as we were driving, wherever we were driving, whatever states we were in, whether it was Minnesota or Oklahoma or whatever it was. And at that time, and I would look out the window and I would have these elaborate fantasies about what would happen if I got off the bus or was left behind from the bus in this moment. And what would I do if I have a, just a finite amount of time before the darkness closes in to go to some, and what would I do? Would I knock on the door of a house and what would I say? And I'm a kid and who's behind that door and is it safe? Is it even a safe thing to do? And I would get all, I mean, it was this huge, like, even just sitting here right now, I can feel my, like, my agita, like, uh, <laughs> um, getting very anxious about it. And, um, and I honestly don't know where it comes from. I don't, I don't really know what that is, but it's, it, it was a big part of my childhood that that, that, those, that two-year stretch, and, 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 and later, too. And, and I can still feel that, especially if I'm driving in the car. If I'm in a passenger seat in a car at that time of day, if Chick's driving and we're driving down the freeway or wherever we are at that, that time of day, I can feel that same sense of fear and what would I do? So, um, so flash forward, now we're in Willits. We're living at the farm, and the farm is... Um, it's a it's an old rambling um, like late eighteen hundreds built um, farmhouse and it's a big piece of property and it's in the woods and it's surrounded by manzanitas and um, indica buds and all sorts of wonderful things and um, <laughs> and uh, to go I mean, to go into town was kind of a big deal you go into town and it's along uh, down String Creek Road which is this really back road. Um, where you know big rains would wash it out, and you'd have to be stuck out there or in town if we were in town, and the roads would get washed out. And we were going to Kmart, which was a really big deal. We're going to Kmart. <laughs> um, I should also mention that um, when I was a baby, I was the oldest, the firstborn, and so I got a lot of gifts. One of the gifts I got as an infant was this blanket. We all get a blanket when we're a baby. My blanket was a beautiful satin blanket. I called it my silky. And I was obsessed with my silky. It was just so silky and soft, and I just loved it. And I, you know, I had it forever. And it gets ratty and it falls apart, mm -hmm. whatever. But at that point, it was still slightly intact. And um, so it was my silky, and I was kind of obsessed at anything that was silky. I was like, oh, it's my silky. It's kind of a savant kind of way. And um, so we're going to Kmart. And my mom has my mom's driving our big white Dodge van that we named Beulah. And um, it's a huge passenger van. And it doesn't have seat belts. It's just you know it's just a big 70s van and um, she's got however many kids I asked my mom on the phone this morning how many kids were on this trip and she didn't remember exactly but she was like probably like there's probably eight of you in the van so and my dad was driving my mom is in the van there's about eight kids in the van and we go to Kmart so we're in Kmart and whatever we're doing I don't know but then the next thing I so now this is the part of the story that I was not there. So this is my mom's telling me this story this morning. So they get, they go, they leave, we're ready to leave Kmart. We're leaving Kmart. My mom and my dad are taking all the kids out to the van, get in, blah, 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 shut the door, drive away. Where's Mary Jo? Oh. <laughs> um, and now my mother's like counting heads. She's counting. Who's missing? Who's missing? What? How many kids are in here? Where? Oh my God. Where's Mary Jo? Where's Mary Jo? And I was like, Oh my God! Like, what did you do? Like, was, and I'm I'm actually being a little more frenetic than I think my mother was because I was like, "What did you do?" And she said, "Well, I I thought we should trace our steps." That's my mother's response. And I was like, "Well, yes, of course you should trace your steps." 
and and uh, and I said, well, what did Dad do? And he, she said, well, I he turned the car around and we started driving back the way we came. And I said, well, how far did you get? She said, not very far, maybe maybe a couple of miles. I think is what she said before she realized that, that I wasn't in the van. Um, and there's a whole bunch of little kids, and they're all at that point. I was probably, I was probably eight, seven or eight. And um, and probably the second oldest in the group of all these kids. So they're like ranging in age, and they're not all blood related to me. So there's some that are the same age. There's two families and whatever. So it's you know it's eight kids under eight, um, and uh, so they make their way back to the Kmart, and of course, the, and my mother says that they you know she went into the Kmart and she found the manager and she said. Where's my daughter? I can't find my daughter. Um, and he's like, what What do you mean? And she's like, well, we were here. We were shopping. And I don't know where my daughter is. And she must be here because this is where we were. And we left or whatever. And so, and they said, well, what is your daughter's name? And um, my mother What's your daughter's me. name? Like, there are multiple kids in the back. Like, wallets. <laughs> because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right, no, because right. they were going to use the PA system. Okay. So what's your daughter's name? Mary Jo Smith. They did have And yeah, um, they right. did, yeah. And um, so then they start uh, paging uh, my name, Mary Jo Smith, where are you, or whatever it was they were saying. So now I re-enter the story. I had no idea I had been left at Cambridge. <laughs> I had no idea that they had left. I had no idea. You're a regular Kevin McCallum. Yeah. I had stumbled upon the women's pajama rack. And it was a circular rack. Filled with silky clothes. Uh, and I went into the Yes, I went in the yeah. center of that rack and I was just wrapped up in silkiness and I was like, leave me here forever. I don't care. I had no idea that they had left. I had no idea they were gone. So I hear my name like magically in the sky. Mary Jo Smith, where are you? And I popped out. I'm like, I'm right here. Where are you? So and then there's my mom and my dad and oh my god. And I'm like, what's going on? I had no idea that that um, I had been lost. Yeah. So my mother after after we spoke on the phone this morning, she texted me. She said, just to follow up on the lost experience of your youth, your attitude once found was. What's the big deal? Uh. <laughs> so I, I really, it's so fascinating to me because I was so obsessed with being lost. Like I was so obsessed that I might get lost. I was so afraid that I might get lost. And this would have been after we lived in the bus. So the fact that I did get lost and was completely unaware that I got yeah. lost is fantastic. In a halo of silk. Yeah. In a halo of silk wow. in the Kmart. Yeah! yeah. I feel like every kid gets lost in the inside of some like yes. circular display case. I'm, I'm telling you, I I have vivid memories. I don't have memories of the rest of that at all. I mean, obviously, I wasn't in, I wasn't there when I was discovered to be lost. I, but I I know exactly what it was like to be in that circular rack. And seven or eight is like the perfect height to just walk, yeah. walk yes. through standing upright. Like, right. oh, yeah. And I was I was sitting on the ground and just uh. like. <laughs> just you like, built a cave of fabric and for satin me. and just like I didn't oh want to leave. It's like a fort. It was yeah, totally it was a fort, all I'm, made for me with pastel silks. And stuff. It was like wow. every time I got lost at a shopping center or anything, it was always that going into into it yeah. and being like ooh, and then coming uh, out yep. and everyone who loved you was gone. Gone, but I, I didn't. I never came out till I heard my name in the sky. <laughs> so I had no idea. I think I could have stayed in there all night long. <laughs> it was clean. It was beautiful. It was silky. 
I love that you told a real law story. I did. I yes. told a real yes. law story. All right, y'all. Margie, tell us where we can find you and see you and and the TV show uh, yeah. Watch LA to Vegas on Fox Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock or on Hulu whenever you want it Fox Tuesday thanks you did it and <laughs> I'm on Instagram at Margie McGee but it's a private account so I'll have to approve you and I go on Instagram about once a month so <laughs> I'm not super reliable on social media I'm on Facebook and Twitter but I never look at those ever so. she's never on Facebook no, never all right, sorry. Yay. <laughs> okay, unlike Margie, I'm obsessed with Instagram and getting followers because oh, I'm old and it's exciting. <laughs> um, so you can find me at Instagram. I'm going to spell my name. Yeah. It's Erica Bloomfield, E-R-I-C-A-B-L-U-M-F-I-E-L-D. I have a couple shows coming up in May. So, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Come find me. Yeah. Fantastic. Follow you. Yes. Oh, God. Where can you follow me? Um, a messenger or whatever, right? That's, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I still have to check that. I'm sure that I still have my password. Um, or Margie has your password. You yeah. can so, I can get it. Uh, <laughs> I know I can. Sure you actually already yeah. have it, right? Um, May can totally find me on Facebook under Jonathan Tipton Myers. Um, the project that I started called We Are Traffic. Um, is actually on Instagram yeah. and Facebook under that same title. And uh, it's actually going back up at the Hollywood Fringe in June for the month. We're doing um, a bigger version of that workshop last year. So it's 58-minute ride through the last four years of rideshare. Just me in a chair and all you guys in the back seat. Wow. And um, it's going to be a blast. Wow. So yeah. that's going to be the month of February. And anybody who's never May. been to the not Fringe. February. I'm sorry, June. 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 February, not February. Uh, Didn't February happen? I think so. Yeah. I felt us. it. It's in it was weird. Yes. It's all, there's going to be like 400 shows wow. in June. Yeah. So anybody who's never been to the Fringe, it's legit now. There's actually a legit. <laughs> it's taken about seven or eight years for it to grab hold. Yeah. But there's amazing shows there. And uh, it's going to be a blast for anybody who um, feels a sense of community or needs to connect with the city. That's what it's about. So it's a it's a show. It's actually going to be a TV series. It's a blog and a book, all based on the idea of our desire to connect and how that's been purposefully taken away by blocking mass transit. Wow. Oh. Wow. And how it's actually led to the way we deal with each other. And I didn't realize that until I started driving around. Wow. All right, Mary Jo. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, which is my drug of choice, at Mary Jo LA. And then you can find me on Facebook at Mary Jo Smith. And, uh, or not at Mary Jo Smith, Mary Jo Smith. And I also have an Instagram account that I never ever uh, do, which no, is Mary Jo underscore LA. I know, I'm terrible. Ian? Ian Screams. Ian Screams on everything. And Chick, Chick or, or Chick is a T Chick photo. Uh, um, Dot com and also photo p h p h o t o and uh, teach photo at, at teach photo for Twitter and I think also for Instagram yeah then I'm Colleen Smee C O L L E E N S M I on Instagram and Colleen Marie Smee on Instagram and then we are at MyFirstTimePodcast.net, spelled out. Spelled the whole thing out. You see pictures, bios, all that kind of stuff. We're also on Facebook. And we're on SoundCloud. You were on SoundCloud and uh, iTunes. iTunes and that, I think, is all of our stuff. It's all stuff. All right. Thank you very much, you guys. Thank you to all of our guests for coming here. Yay!